welcome back to another episode of the Making Same Podcast and I'm super, super excited about this episode. But just before I jump into it, I did a Joe Wicks workout. You might be wondering why I'm speaking about this in the podcast, but um, yeah, so I did the workout. I didn't really want to do it, but you know where you just, you're going to do it because I felt quite stressed out and anxious. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do the workout and get it out of the way and did the workout and it's absolutely shattered and I'm on the yoga bat at the end, like dying um, of exhaustion. And basically, I was just thinking about the podcast and I just feel like this season, there's just something really special about it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain it. And I think the reason why it feels special this season is I just feel like I'm getting like the guests are being like so open and honest with me and transparent. And obviously the focus is on allergies, but I feel like every guest is has just really kind of been like an open book to me and like obviously they spoke about allergies but I feel like I've just got to, got to know them on like a such a personal level and I just feel so grateful number one to have the opportunity to interview all these amazing guests but also be able to kind of share the conversations with you and hopefully you can take some away from the podcast but yeah I've, I've been speaking to my friend about it as well I just feel like this this summit special and I remember the first time I ever did a podcast I felt, remember thinking, right, there's there's like a magic in the air. And I remember saying to my friend, if I could bottle this this up right now uh, <laughs> and sell it, I'll be a millionaire, like joking. But like, there was something like really magic in the air. And I feel like this season, I've got that back. Like, it's, it's so weird to explain. And I think it's just like the last few episodes I've had with the guest. I just feel like, like I don't know. I feel like the, they've really kind of opened up to me and, and kind of, spoke about not just about allergies but about mental health and like their upbringing and yeah I'm just super excited because with the podcast I never wanted it to be like a Q&A I've always wanted it to be like a conversation to get people to kind of open up and express themselves and feel comfortable as well to kind of talk with me on the podcast and yeah I'm just super excited about this season and I want to say thank you for everyone who's left a review on iTunes and also kind of subscribe to Make and Tame but this kind of leads on really nicely to this week's guest because I'm joined by Zach who's the founder of Anna Algae Care. And basically I've not really had many guys on the podcast and like, like I said I always get um, people reaching out to me and be like do you ever feel weird that like you're the only kind of male allergy blogger out there who's very open and active kind of thing and to be honest with you I've never really kind of thought about it that way I've always thought I don't know, I've kind of always just shared my experience, but I never really, I kind of always done my own kind of thing, you could say. But yeah, it's it's amazing to get a, another guy on the podcast. Like Zach's very similar ages to me. And it's great to kind of um, kind of share our experiences because with the podcast, I've always spoke with my friends, but obviously my friends um, don't have allergies. So it's obviously to get a guy on who's very similar ages, who's gone through the same experiences as me. So yeah, it's great to kind of have Zach on the podcast and um, we talk about so many things from like how our parents kind of dealt with us and managed us with our allergies like growing up to obviously taking on that massive responsibility of going to university, going on your first lad's holiday and like it's great podcast. I feel it's going to resonate with a lot of people and I loved how open as that was on the podcast. So yeah, let's get to the podcast. Like I say, grab yourself a cup of tea, get yourself a biscuit and let's get to it. Hello and welcome back. And I'm super excited. I'm joined by Zach Marks, who's the founder of Anna Allergy Care. 
and we spoke recently a few months back so yeah it's great to kind of have him on the podcast and he's a very similar ages to me and I think it's amazing to get a guy on to kind of talk about our experiences together of how we kind of manage our ages growing up so yeah how are you Zach? Yeah I'm good Dan thanks for having me on I uh no, I originally reached out to you as a annoying Instagram DM that got ignored for a while, and <laughs> feel privileged to finally be here. It's good to good to get an audience with the king. Um, no, it's a exciting platform, and it'd be good to talk about what we uh, what we both struggle with and what we both uh, basically agree on analogies. Honestly, I'm so bad with messaging. Like what I do, I usually like, I build it up and then you leave it a few days and you're like, oh God, like I've not replied to anyone. But yeah, I do, I do try like 99% of the time. I do get back to people, but yeah, just give me a week or so, I'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's great to kind of have you on to kind of, kind of find out obviously about Anna Algae Care, but also about how you kind of managed your allergies growing up. So how old was you when you found out about your allergies? I always... I always say to people, like, honestly, I could have been three, I could have been six. I really don't remember. But um, if you want, you know, if you want the full spiel, the full story. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I found out by having an allergic reaction, I guess. Uh, I was at a friend's house on a kind of family holiday type thing. Um, and it's weird because I never liked peanut butter. I always hated the smell and it was obviously instinctive, you know, thinking back to it now, but my best mate asked for peanut butter on toast. His mum made it. I said, I don't like peanut butter. I just have butter. She used the same knife without washing it. Um, and then I just started to feel ill. I was like sick for a couple of days. My parents took me to see a doctor and that's how I found out. And to be honest, I was very lucky to find out that easily and not, you know, not a lot worse. Yeah. And I think it's so weird when you say that as a quick, as like a kid, you know, like you have that smell, you have that taste and you instantly, even though you don't know you've got an allergy, like you just know. And I remember exactly the same, like my dad used to have like Snickers bars in like the car and I'd be like, I hate that smell, I hate that smell. And my parents were like, why? Like, it's just like a Snicker bar. So it's mad at that age, like your body knows straight away. In your head, I, like it, it's crazy that it does that. It's, it's like a nature's warning sign, I guess. I just, I just hated this. And it's also like my, my grandma always used to like crunch on walnuts or like almonds or like one of those nuts oh, really? in the gatherings. And I just, I hated everything about it. I just remember that so instinctively. Um, and yeah, I guess since then I've just, the allergies have always chopped and changed, but it's been literally since I was as young as I can remember. Yeah, it's mad that as well. I mean, like growing up with the allergies, did you know anyone else with allergies like, like yourself or did you always feel like you was on your own in, in, in that sense? I think honestly, it's like being known as one of the high maintenance kids. It's <laughs> like the other kids at school that were like somewhat high maintenance or somewhat, I don't know if it's the stigma that goes with it, I guess, but there were like three or four other kids that were, I, I don't know, also like maybe not sporty or maybe like similar traits to me. And they also had allergies and we were kind of like bundled into a group together, I think. Um, but no, I, I knew them around and I think I was always one with the most nervous mum. So I was always the one with the most, you know, the most kit on me, the most kind of yeah. worried about it the whole time. But no, I, I had it around me, I'd say, for forever. Yeah, I think it's massive that as well. I think like the way, obviously, how you, your parents handle it probably has a massive like, influence on you growing up. Because I know like some people get like anxiety at a very young age. And then like some people, like for me, for example, I probably... I always felt quite fine with my allergy. I never really thought as it like it, 
of a massive thing. It wasn't until I kind of took on that responsibility myself. I was like, shit, this is actually like really serious. And that's when I started obviously getting that anxiety. And ever did did would you say as a kid you had anxiety, or was that something which kind of happened later on? Honestly, no. I think it's like you. I mean, are you saying that like when you kind of started May Contain, that's when you took it more seriously? I think I always took it seriously, but I think with what the difference with May Contain was. When you're talking about allergies seven days a week and it's always on the top of your mind, like what content am I going to produce or reading articles about allergies? That's where my anxiety really, really kicked in was with making time because then it's the first thing I think about in the morning, what type of content I'm going to write or what time content I'm going to produce. So that's where my anxiety kind of started. How did it kind of start for you? Um, yeah, I was always, I kind of always didn't care. Honestly, for the longest time, I was like, it was driven by the fact that my family really cared. Um, can I can I swear on this? I don't know if I can. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't give a shit. I really didn't um, when I was a kid. And my family, and especially my mom, always made me like carry my two happy pens and my inhaler and my pyroton and my little blue bum bag that my school gave me. Um, and every time we went out to eat, it was always my sisters um, who were like my second and third mom. Or my mum herself saying, you know, he's got an allergy, is this okay? And I genuinely don't think it was until I started Anna, like, or started looking into it at least maybe a year or two ago that I started to get the anxiety, started to really care. Um, I was asking about it every single restaurant, every single place I went, like, and as you said, like, the more research, the more time you put into it, the more it kind of helps because you know more, but you're also more anxious. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's like getting that balance. Like, yeah, you're more educated. And I think it's amazing what you said as well. Like, since doing that project, you are taking your allergy more serious now. Um, but obviously, the consequence of that sometimes is you do get more anxiety. But I, th I think it's so important to take it seriously. But I think it's amazing talking about it right now because we can talk about it in a very, like, normal way. And then, like, hopefully, if there's another guy listening to this or a girl that could be like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to start taking my allergy more seriously. And I think for me, that is so important because I feel like a lot of time it's usually like young people will have these like severe allergic reactions and they've not got the EpiPen or they don't have the right equipment with them. And it, yeah, I think for me, that's that's when it gets quite scary. Like. Honestly, it goes with the, the general conversation, like having the conversation, just like knowing more information about it, it being more in your mind regularly, even just because it's such an easy thing to forget about in, in a weird way until you really realize how serious it is and also how kind of <laughs> i don't know i don't want to say isolated like with an allergy but i mean you kind of are because you're the minority you're the one that people are like scared to deal with in hospitality things like that um yeah the more you're aware of that the more people start uh thinking about it and speaking to restaurants myself as like part of anna I've realized after those conversations, the people I've spoken to already seem more aware and, and get the threat more. It's just from the conversation. I, I've always said this, like I, I recently did like a, an article and I was like, oh, can you talk about like managing your allergy like in restaurants and abroad? And I said, if you want people to understand how serious your allergy is, you need to get people like yourselves who've got an allergy talking to the restaurants to have that personal connection. And I feel like a lot of time, 
they're reading these really boring PDF slides talking about allergies and it's a load of nonsense. And I feel like no one's going to take notice. It's it's when you get someone stood right in front of you, it's like, I've got severe allergies. This is what has happened to me. And you talk about your experience when you've had serious allergic reactions and you talk about how you manage it. And then people kind of listen then. And I've always been surprised at how when you talk about allergies, people are generally like interested. Like they want to find out how you kind of manage and how you get on. Do you feel like when you talk about your allergies, do you feel like people take it seriously or they don't? Like how's your experience been in, in that kind of thing? It's almost a joke unless you make it serious. You know, that like I, I genuinely, I think, treated it as a joke in order to make light of it because otherwise you're living with something that's so bloody serious, you almost don't want to tell anyone about it. So, you know, often I'm at a restaurant and I kind of joke with the waiters when I tell them I have an allergy and I'm like, you know, I can see their fucking sometimes face drop or like eyes roll or just they're either scared or they, or they uh, intimidated or don't want to deal with me. And I kind of feel like, look, I'm on the same level as you. I know this is inconvenient as hell. Let's just work together. Like, be honest with me. Tell me what has nuts, what doesn't. Take your time. Go to the kitchen. Talk to the chef. Like, it's chill. I'm not going to sue you. I just also don't kill me. <laughs> yeah. I... I had a really weird one the other day where I was like, um, just before like the, the lockdown happened again, we went out, um, I, I think it was for my birthday, went to a restaurant and he um, he put like, it, it was on an iPad. So I was like, oh, have you got the allergens? So he brought out this iPad and he was like, yeah, you can check which dish and what allergens it contains. Then he was like, just before you do that, you need to like read through these terms and conditions and click accept. And I was like, what? I was like, is, I was like, is this a waiver? I was like, this is a waiver so I can't see it. And he was like, oh, no, 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 it's not. It's just like, it's just to say that you, 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 you've read it and like you understand it. But like, it was a bit like a waiver. I was like, but he seemed really friendly, but I was a bit like, oh, it sounds like if something happens, you're not going to take any responsibility because I've, I've signed, I've, I've clicked a set on the iPad, which is like crazy, ridiculous. So. Yeah. And it's like with that, that's, that's what's happening right now. And it's only getting better. So you almost feel like, right, this is clearly the primitive version of this. You know, at least at least it shows you guys care. It's clearly going to become more influential. It's just right now, I don't want to be sitting down with my mates having a casual, you know, dinner and then have to sign my life away on an iPad. Like these yeah, two things just hand in hand. It's got to get better. Like it really does. I mean, in regards to allergy tests, when was the last time you went? Was it was it years ago? No, that, see, that's an interesting one. That's something I like really seriously back. I think they're so important and people really kind of over over worry about them in a way um i understand some people i have like serious reactions to a little you know sometimes the prick test can cause like an adverse reaction to someone if they're really seriously allergic and i understand the threat to that and then i guess if you really aren't a fan of needles or blood tests that's not going to be something you want but i i went for a blood test last year i went for a blood test sorry a prick test went for a blood test two years before that for a prick test like two years before that every single time my allergies have changed in some sort of way oh really crazy to me it's uh i used to be allergic to only nuts and then it went to peas and then it went to beans and then they kind of swap now and i'm only allergic to peas again and not beans and it's just it, the nuts have taken down like a fucking bar chart it just it's crazy to me that is mental, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be honest, like, the only reason I kind of like, kind of discussed it was I was like speaking to, like, I try and speak to my followers and a lot of my ideas, the content actually comes from like what people message me or they're like, Dan, have you seen this? Or I've experienced this. And 
Um, one of the girls went for like an allergy test and like same as you, she come back and was like, I'm allergic to all these things now. I'm like, what the hell? Like, but I've had like very different characters and very different situations. Um, and they've all been pretty kind of labby or uh, very standard doctor interactions and stuff. But then the last one I went to last year was this woman who literally said, right, bring everything you want to get tested. Go to Tesco, buy a bag of peas and bring it to me and I'll test you for it. Like it was literally the most amazing experience. I could clear all my anxieties. I could be like, right, this, this, this. I wanted to try Huel, you know, that like breakfast shake thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Protein in. I didn't know if I was allergic. I got checked for it. I am allergic, but it, you know, it, it was amazing. That, yeah. that kind of thing I think is so underrepresented. I've never heard of that before. Like where they just bring everything and then they'll test it. That's amazing. Like, yeah. It really was. Yeah, I think I think I definitely want to go for one again. Um, like hopefully like soon. Yeah, but I've I've never I've been touch wood. I've been, I've been fine now. But yeah, it's always um on the back of my mind a little bit. I used to kind of have that with walnuts. I didn't know if I was allergic or not. Um, I got cleared for them, and now I eat them every day because I know they're really good for you. And it's just like having that one little kind of win over my allergies is so yeah. nice. So yeah, yeah, I, never, yeah, I never really thought of it as that because I, I think like once they told me that like, I was fine with Brazil nuts, but yeah, I might keep clear of that for now. I was gonna say going through something like growing up with the allergy, like going to like universities. Did you like stay in halls? Because I do get a lot of questions from students like, should I live at home or should I stay at halls or should I stay at halls where they do the food? And I'm as a bit like. I've always said to people, like, from my experience, I'd rather just go to university and buy my own food because, you know, then it's completely, like, safe. Um, how did you experience going to uni with an algae? So I went to I went to Loughborough. I was in Royce Hall, if anyone knows it. Um, they are catered on the week and not in the weekend. And I'm a pretty hungry guy, so I made a lot of food anyway. Um, and the crate, I mean anyone with the university catered meal experience knows they aren't the greatest, but I, I did have them when I wanted them. And generally it's the thing where people say they're not free, but then they don't actually check or they, or they sometimes yeah. slip up or, you know, they don't know where they're getting their catered food from things like that. So I think generally I wasn't stressed about it. If I ever saw a cake that maybe had some flakes on it or, you know, some crumbs. And I was like, is that almond? Is it just biscuit? I don't know. I'd ask them and they generally check for me. So I didn't, yeah, I would say I didn't have any sort of anxiety when I'm actually in the catering hall. Um, but again, it depends kind of where you go and the staff that you're dealt with. It's literally what human you're interacting with on that day. Like, do they care or not? Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And I've, I think with me, like, I've, I don't know, I always like cut, cut for myself and I always felt like a lot. I think it like it made me feel a lot better knowing that like I know obviously what's going in food. I know I had like a few kind of, touch and go kind of experiences where like one of my housemates was like cooking with like um i think it was like it was like chocolate but he was like put it on toilet i thought it was nutella and basically he didn't clean the chopping board and i made a sandwich and for whatever reason i flipped the sandwich and it had the like chocolate on the side of the sandwich and i was like fuck like imagine if i ate that i would have had like serial like allergic reaction but thank god it like what i didn't bite the sandwich and it wasn't nutella it was just like a chocolate spread how did you manage that, obviously, in a kitchen and obviously other students obviously bringing their own food? Was the students quite understanding when you mentioned your allergy? I mean, was it just nuts at that point or did you have quite a few allergies? The thing is, the way I see it, like, uh, some people avoid everything they're allergic to entirely. I personally, uh, like, I'm allergic to all nuts for all nuts. That's how I tell people. It's a nice little rhyme. Um, 
but I'm only lethally allergic to peanuts. Um, I think all the rest of us had a literally like a varying bar chart. I know almonds are pretty high up there. I think pistachios are pretty high up there, but generally I'm only really, really scared about peanuts. That's not to say that I would eat any of the other ones, but yeah. I think it's really obvious when someone's, you know, making something like peanut butter, or as I said, you kind of smell it, you kind of taste it, but it didn't give me anxiety because I think it's just not something I, I worry about on a daily with, with other people, um, other people on my level, students, friends, you know, peers, whatever. I just think that's a human you interact with when it's a restaurant or a staff or a business. Yeah. I think that's such a different story. Um, but no, I mean, if there is anyone out there that's kind of worried about uni, all I'd say is just get to know your people, get to know the kitchen staff if you're stressed, get to know your housemates and make sure they understand, you know, both the joking side of it, like the blue to the sky, orange to the thigh, EpiPen rhyme. And yeah. you know, the fact that like it is unfortunate, you've got this situation, but you're dealing with it. And also the serious side of genuinely, if you use my chopping board or my knife and fork, wash it the hell up and wash it the hell up well <laughs> yeah i think that's the one thing i i always made really clear is like if i if you are going to cut nuts like because it's weird when you can't like stop people like you can only educate them so like i've always been like just make sure like you clean up like i'll make sure it's it's definitely no traces and i mean even like moving to london like i lived in like an eight bed house and oh, i had a bloody like bit of a nightmare where Basically, we had, we had like um, mice in the house, and what they did was they put peanut butter on all the traps in the kitchen. And there's like three or four different traps with like peanut butter. And I walked in one day, and I was like, "What is that smell?" And then I walked like, and obviously they knew how serious my allergy was as well. And I turned around to one of the guys. I was like, "Is that peanut butter?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "You know, like that could kill me." I was like, "You need to sort that out tonight." Like. And like stormed off because like so I was like how could you be so stupid it's like you know how serious it is and like I don't know I don't think they meant it probably in a bad way but like it's just like it's like that could kill me <laughs> like it's like all around the kitchen and I was like genuinely I, I've had outbursts yeah. where I've tried to say yeah. like imagine that cyanide would you do that yeah to a normal person like trying to I've, I've like I've been so close at one point to writing like a really angry social media post trying to compare allergies uh, like allergens to allergy sufferers to cyanide to normal people i just think yeah. i mean i don't know if anyone really resonate with that but it's just the, the, it's yeah. how you look at it i think the words i remember i did like a bit of a post where like like basically someone in, someone in a restaurant was like it's only traces and i was like i very i was like, I was like, I was like only traces i was like i saw red and um, I was like, how can you say that? You're a manager of a restaurant. Like, do you not understand the seriousness of allergies? I was like, you could have killed me tonight and that would have been your responsibility because your allergy menu was incorrect. And like, she just went, she went like pale and then just walked off basically. Um, how serious are you? Have you got any airborne? Yeah, so like, basically like, I mean, not allergies, like airborne. So like peanuts is, is like the worst one. But yeah, like all it takes is for someone to like, be sat next to me eating nuts or like someone to eat nuts and then touch me you know what i mean so yeah like i'm always like really really kind of cautious um but yeah just it just really upsets me when like people are just not educated about it and i think that's amazing what we're trying to do is hopefully educate people and obviously make people understand the senses of it yeah that's one part of uh i think just the part of what i'm trying to do with anna is is education like just just alone you know having the conversation having the uh 
Should we talk about Anna? Because we've kind of we've discussed it, but we've not we've not really gone into it yet. So Anna is kind of an all-in-one prevention kit for anaphylaxis. Can we t- kind of talk about where the idea kind of come about for it? Yeah. Um, so I've always been told by my pedantic mother to carry my two epipens inhaler, Pyroton. Uh, got my allergy-induced asthma, so you know there's no point me having the epipens without the inhaler, and you know yeah. vice versa. So you need like a backpack on nights out. Right? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <laughs> like dragging out on the dance floor, like. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, if there was like a slideshow of the horrendous backpacks I've had in my life, <laughs> just yeah. for my allergy, like a bright yellow ticked night draw Nike drawspring uh, backpack that I used to carry around like everywhere, like even when I was wearing a shirt and a smart yeah. thing. It's just awful. Um, you should be you should be inventing backpacks, like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I. I know the issue so well. I know carrying equipment is so inconvenient. I know that the expiry dates are ridiculous and it's not something that any normal human being keeps track of regularly. You always slip up at, in, in some degree. You know, I, I remember last year I was going on holiday and the day before I went, I found out my fence were expired and I had to run to the chemist and try and get new ones. And it was the biggest stress in the world. Um, there's the stigma with the public places, um, people not treating it serious. They're treating it like a dietary requirement. Yeah. There's so many things. And I just thought, how can I tackle this um, at university doing my industrial design, which is basically product design, but a little bit uh, easier <laughs> doing that degree at Loughborough university and telling myself, you know, what, what can I design for my final year project that takes the entire year that I'm genuinely going to be passionate about and, you know, happy with the final result to tackle this problem. I looked at kind of redesigned EpiPens, redesigned inhalers. There's so many products out there that do all these sorts of things. There are little apps, but there's nothing that I genuinely believe I would use or that would help the kind of public perception, the stigma, like anything like that. That That is such an interesting point as well. And um, yeah, like sometimes I see stuff and I just, I always think like, oh, like would I, would I use that or would I download that? And yeah, it's so funny, like you mentioned it, because I always think, am I just being really fussy or is that, is that just me kind of thing? Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting to, to hear that, like you kind of seeing this opportunity and you was like, I can see something which hopefully other people would need to. Like. Mm, yeah, it's, you know, as a doing a university degree, you're not normally thinking about like real world uh real world placement, real world usage, whatever. Yeah. You just, some, a lot of people I think just think about, you know, getting the grades and whatever, but I really was standing myself like, right, if this is my problem, I'm trying to fix it. There's so many of these redesigned FNs inhalers that exist. So there's no point me doing it again. How can I change? How can I do something different? Um, came up with the idea of Anna, which is putting the existing equipment in a redesigned product and putting that in public places. And then there was a lot of drawback from my peers and my tutors because they were like, oh, this is not the best piece of product design. You know, you're, you're using existing equipment. And I was kind of saying to them, I understand I might not get the best grade, but I want to design this because I think it could genuinely solve a problem. And so I went with it, I kind of rolled with it. I battled with my tutor for about half a year before she finally saw the actual like real world implications of it. That is, that is so important as well. I think like when you believe in something, I remember Phil Knight, like obviously the founder of Nike, he did like a very similar project um, at university where he basically, what Nike is today, he did the, like, the USP and was like, oh, we should do a running trainer, which obviously then evolved into Nike. And his tutors are exactly the same. We was like, they was like, oh, we don't think this will work or this will 
sell and you know what I mean like look at night now he's everywhere so and he's a billionaire so um yeah I think it is, it's amazing obviously like in these situations to kind of go with your gut feeling when you think it's right exactly and I get I mean it's kind of funny really because I think that was my first uh my first battle with the stigma when I was doing Anna like obviously I've presented as so battle with the stigma as an allergy sufferer but trying to make it as a company trying to really put it in the workplace or design it the first stigma was my tutors and my peers being like oh this wouldn't be that useful would it you know would this actually work anything um so you know to, to stop rambling i i designed it <laughs> i did it over the year i uh i got my 2-1 which is all i wanted i came out of uni and i kind of had these, these renders these ideas these concepts um a few people kind of blowing smoke up my ass and saying yeah you should do this for real um I was thinking this is insane. I can't actually, you know, put the manpower into this. And then we had a global pandemic. So what am I doing stuck at home uh, all day, every day? Couldn't get another job. Decided to put my time and effort into it. And I <laughs> could not be happier. And I I'm, I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, That's amazing. Like, yeah. I think like just having that passion as well, you know, because I think when you find out what that passion is and it, I feel like you found it with... Um, and allergy care that you know what I mean you've got that purpose now I think like sometimes you know if you're in a job and then there's no kind of purpose to it and you're like oh, I'm just in this nine to five then I think that's when like people get unhappy but like I mean some invoice really shit with with the pandemic and how it turned out and obviously you couldn't find a job but then it's probably the best thing what happened as well it sounds like because obviously now you you can spend all the hours and putting all the hours into that but if you've got a job then you might have been put on a bit of like the side burner for a few years until yeah so now it's amazing and yeah I think it's such a good idea to like you said have like the EpiPens and inhalers and because I, I find it very similar to where you know we get like the charger pots when you go to bars where you can charge your phone now and there are in other venues it kind of reminds me a little bit um, of that like that's not a bad point actually yeah. I've never I've never thought of that I guess it is you know, someone who invented that had to say, yeah, I'm just putting charges in, in public places. And they'd be like, oh, that doesn't do anything. But then you actually create the product and the system yeah, yeah, yeah. and the whole, it's the interaction that comes with it. I think um, what really kind of sets Anna apart is the intangibles that it would then present. Like the the concept of just putting in an EpiPen in, in a public place is, you know, valuable, I think, but it doesn't solve the problem. Someone would put it in a shelf or hide it in the cabinet, they'd forget it expired, they wouldn't know how to use it, all these sorts of things. The point of Anna is, you know, look at this shiny box on the wall. It says, you know, use me in case of anaphylactic emergency. It would automatically replenish the equipment, and, you know, when it expires, it would have a screen and speakers show and tell people how to use the equipment like anyone, you don't have to be trained. And then, uh, yeah, as I said, the intangibles, like just generally it being on the wall, like a defibrillator, you see a defibrillator on the wall, you have no doubt that, you know, a heart attack is a lethal event. Yeah. You see this on the wall, you have no doubt that anaphylaxis is a lethal event. It needs this equipment to save something. Yeah. And I think it, like, like you said, like it, I think it's so important that obviously everyone always does carry like the, the two art injectors with them. But I mean, I hear so many stories, like definitely like young people, like, not having it with it but it's not it's not even people with allergies as well there was um, a guy from i think i'm originally from bolton there's a guy from bolton 
And he went out for a meal with his family and he didn't know he had a fish allergy and they went to a seafood restaurant and he went into anaphylactic shock and unfortunately he died. And that's because they didn't know he had he had an allergy. So as well, I think like it kind of hits hits the nail on the head that obviously it, it works for people with allergies, but also like people who might not know they have an allergy and then one day have allergic reaction. Because I think he had a... Um, I've had people on the podcast before where she didn't find out till she was in her teens that she was allergic to nuts, but she's been having nuts all her life. So it's crazy how your body changes. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, you hear about these things all the time. It's tragic. Like it might not even be identified as an anaphylactic shock or someone might not know they're allergic. They might have allergies. They might find out they have a new allergy to something or they might just outright not know they have any allergies at all. And then something springs up. Um, I always tell people, you know, I found, I found genuine research online that proved like anyone can develop any allergy to anything at any time in their life. That, that is that is a proven fact. It can literally pop out of the blue. And that's not to scare people. It's just to, it's to prove a point of relevance, to prove a point of like this genuinely exists and this and this needs to be tackled. It's not, it's not under the table anymore. It's not a dietary requirement. Yeah. And I think like more people now are taking it seriously compared to like a few years ago. And I think I, I think it's amazing to see how like the algae community has just grown. I feel like it's just getting bigger year on year. There's more people coming out of the woodworks, and there's more people talking about their experiences now, and there's less people alone. Which, yeah, it's amazing. So I do feel like hopefully, like together, we can all kind of sit together and obviously um, change the way people kind of think about algae. Um, on the topic of like holidays and going abroad with an algae. How was that? Did you have a large holiday when you went when you turned 17 and go to like Malia, Cavos, them kind of places? Um did how did how did you manage that? Did you did you kind of go away with your friends? Um I tell you what, it kind of scares me because obviously I haven't really been abroad since I started Anna. So previously it hasn't been on my mind as much. And yeah, I think yeah. now if I went abroad, it might be a completely different story. But uh, when I was whatever it was, 15, 16, 17, I did a summer in Magaluf. I did a summer in Napa. Uh, like oh, I wow. You've you done the whole, the whole deal. Yeah, right? I've, done, I've done the grand tour. Yeah. All I'm missing is uh, Zanti. Uh, yeah, completely. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's gross there and you go out and you, you go to clubs and you get drunk and you forget who you are and where you are and everything. And it wasn't a place that I mean, and also just on the point, it's boiling hot. You have no layers, you have no bags, you have nothing to put anything in or hold with you. And then put on top of that the drunk and then you don't know where you are. Like, yeah. it's not somewhere I felt confident enough or had the ability to take my equipment with me. So I never did. Um, I also never ate anything when I was out though. So yeah, that it's was like always alcohol, right? justification. Yeah, it was just like, right, I'm just drinking, it'll be fine. Yeah. It always freaked out my mom, but... I didn't see a way I could do it. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you if you've ever done it, but it just, I don't yeah. see a way you can feasibly take your equipment out with you unless you wear a bum bag. Yeah, so I did. I mean, when I was like 17, I went to Malia and at that point, like no one really mentioned about like carrying two EpiPens. It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't really discussed at that point. It was just like carry one. So I think I, think I always did kind of carry one EpiPen with me, but then... Now they say carry two, which is great. And but like you're, you know, you know what I mean. Like you're wearing skinny jeans, or you got a nice outfit, 
<laughs> so you got what like to put two FNs. So so I had to I it's so it's so funny. Like I, I said this once in a talk. I was like, I do carry two EpiPens, but I carry one in my pocket and I'll get my mate to carry one as well, even though he fucking he, he hates it. He's like, why am I carrying your stuff? Um so he, he carries one as well. But I, I said this in a talk, like an algae mum like proper kicked off with me. It was like, you should have a bum bag and and you know what I mean? I was like, I'm a, I think I was 23 or 24. I was like, I'm not going to go night out. Like, let's be honest here. Like, I'm not going to go night out and wear a bum bag. Like, um, so yeah, I've, how I get about it, that, I mean, that's how I do it. I get a mate to carry one. I'll get, for now, I get, I get my girlfriend to carry one in a bag as well. Um, and I, I get about that perfectly fine. But I mean, if you want to wear a bum bag, I'm all for it. But it's a personal preference, isn't it really? Of course. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, when I'm in London, when I'm out in the UK, it's it's definitely cold enough to either have like a nice bag or a jacket. And that's where my EpiPens will go with my inhaler and my Periton flight is always on me. Um, but I just think there's such an issue when you're going on like a hot tropical holiday. Yeah. It, you don't take jackets, you don't take the extra layers, the bags, the pockets. It's just not there. Um, and yeah, and not to preach, but that's just, that's where I see Anna being so helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because um, I know on like beach holidays now, like if I get like a pair of trunks, I'm like, oh, does the EpiPen fit? Like it's the first thing I try because I, I remember I got these shorts. I was like, yeah, I'm going to look good in these. And I was like, the EpiPens literally don't fit in the pocket. So I was like, Fuck, like what am I going to do? So I'm like, mate, can I just carry one? Um, I do that with every jacket I buy. It's the EpiPen test. If it fits in the yeah. inside pocket, it's perfect. I just think it might, like, why is the EpiPen not smaller? Like it got invented, like, I mean, it's been out, I think since like the seventies or eighties. And um, it's just crazy to think like these, like EpiPen, Myelin, all the other ones, like they're all, it's just still a massive thing to carry around. And um, it's, just, it's just a bit annoying. I thought like with these companies, like they're probably worth a lot of money or billions or whatever. And they just can't be asked putting that money aside to make the, the device better. And like, it's like, what is it? Um, the MRA, the ad faults for that, where the needle wasn't working. And it's, yeah, it's just a tricky one because I think the MRA carries more adrenaline, like 500 milligrams. And then the EpiPen is 300. But I prefer carrying the EpiPen just because it's sturdier and it's in like a, a decent case. Whereas like the MRA, it's in a plastic case, it's flimsy. It, it, yeah, it's not great. I'm not a big fan of the MRAs, but they are better for me. Like I really should be carrying the MRA but I do carry an EpiPen because of the, the kind of, it's just a bit more sturdy to like chuck around. No, I had the Emirate for a year. I completely agree with you. It was, uh, <clears throat> it had it had its pros. It was a bit smaller. It was a bit kind of like, I guess, friendlier to hold and interact with, but it, it, it did, you open it and you're like, what is this? And it's yeah. all and the kind of needle sticking out and thing. And I've never used a Jex, um, but I think they're pretty similar to EpiPens. Um, but I do know that there's like an LVQ or an LVQ or something, and that's in America, and that's kind it's, of like it's a like the cube. It's, it's like, like a weird, yeah, shaped or egg shaped or something. It's a bit, it's a bit strange. Um, Is that the one that talks to you as well? God, I don't know. That would there's, be. There's one of them, yeah. There's one of them which has got like voiceovers. <laughs> it's like, it's like it tells you where to inject. I mean, it's amazing. Like, but um, yeah, one of them's got like a full-on voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I looked into them yeah. when I was doing when I was starting Anna, but I, uh, I think unfortunately or fortunately, Mylan kind of have a sort of monopoly, and they had definitely had yeah. the public vote as well on the EpiPens. So, yeah, that's the one everyone has, one uses. Yeah, I mean, I'm now. I'm, I mean, 
at the minute of some sticking with the EpiPen, I just think like it should be more adrenaline because sometimes they say 300 milligrams isn't enough for an adult. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's the reason you always kind of carry two and stuff. But um, yeah, until now, like, yeah, hopefully they'll <laughs> they'll make a smaller device. In regards to then like on holidays and obviously if you meet a girl, would you, would you mention your allergy in discussion or was you always a bit like, Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna have a allergic reaction because yeah, I always hear stories of people kissing a guy or a girl, or whatever, and they have a allergic reaction. But um, how how did you manage that? Obviously, going through uni and holidays, and mm, uh, I'm not a one night stand kind of guy. So generally, if I've been with someone, it's been uh, obviously I've I've uh, picked up someone a night out at uni or whatever. But I've I've talked to them for ages before. I've yeah, like, yeah. known who they are, and I've kind of. For me, it's they haven't eaten nuts in the last couple of hours. I've been with them, so I know it's fine. I think it's it's that it's that easy. Um, it might be, I guess, a bit more of a worry if if it, if it's airborne in some sort of way. Yeah, but I don't know. I've sometimes I've only kind of had like two girlfriends or three girlfriends in my life, and I've not for a long time now. So I was I was a lot younger, and I yeah. think back then it was like, yeah, I'd show them everything, and I wouldn't have any stress about it. Um, especially if you're going out to eat because second you go on a date and you go to a restaurant i'm i'm telling i'm telling the staff member you know exactly what i'm allergic to and then yeah it might it might be kind of something that's joked about but generally yeah i haven't had any issues with it yeah and i think it's one of them you want to make sure like they're like understanding as well i think my girlfriend's like amazing like she understands how serious it is and she knows like out of chinese or like indian and but i think it'd be really annoying if i met someone who was like oh yeah but why can't you have an indian or why can't you eat Chinese and they just don't quite get it? Cause I mean, that does happen. Um, yeah, I, I steer clear of Indian food. I think it's, uh, it's a bit of a red flag for me. I do have Chinese though. Yeah. Big fan of Chinese. Yeah. I don't know. I've never, I know, I've, I've always avoided it. I think, I think when I was, I know cause sometimes I cut with nuts as well, but I think when I was like, I think like teenager, like 15, like I went with my family to a restaurant and I got really, really sick after it. Um, I don't know if it was a reaction or not. I don't remember coming out in heights from what I can remember, but I know like since then I was like, I'm never going to eat Chinese food again. Like. If anyone has listened to the Maintain podcast and it has made a difference or you've kind of resonated with it, if you could write me a review on iTunes, I really appreciate that. So I did want to ask you in regards to Anna Algae Care and like doing the marketing and branding, did you do that yourself or did you get a friend to help you with it? How did you go about that? So, so far, my little, uh, little thing I love to boast about is that basically everything you see in terms of Anna is me, um, video, website, branding, all that kind of stuff. That's my, that's my bread and butter. Um, I did industrial design at uni, which the focus was on product design, but I always loved the branding and the logos and the graphics more. Uh, and then I went on a placement where I was very lucky to kind of specialize in that and it helped me hone that in. And yeah, now I do all the stuff for Anna and kind of on the side part-time I do freelance web design and graphic design work. So Amazing. kind of got my own thing going with that. Um, and that's why, I mean, <laughs> I always said Anna can't just be this boring medical kit on the wall. It's got that yeah, personality. Yeah. So yeah, I came up with the name Anna. Everyone absolutely loved it. It's obviously short for anaphylaxis, but it's kind of works as a female name to, that will speak to you and guide you through the instructions as well. Yeah, I think that's so important as well. Like, I mean, with with my with making saying that only kind of come about like the name because I was like, 
when I was at uni doing the magazine, I was just like, oh, like, every time I check label, it's like, make and saying this, I'll make and saying that. And then obviously that was end up being like the brand for the blog. But I think it's so important, like branding and obviously making sure that, like you said, like allergies is usually quite clinical and medical. So it's quite nice to kind of get out, kind of get out of that zone really and make it a bit more kind of appealing. Um, so yeah, and, and it's quite funny. I do get quite a lot of people talking about how do you brand a blog or how do you make it like stand out? Because there's is, he is more blogs now and obviously like everyone's attention is like three seconds on Instagram. So you kind of do want to stand out. Um, I mean, with, with Brandon for Anna, with Anna Care, um, did that kind of, did you have like a good idea kind of straight away in terms of how you wanted it to, to kind of work compared to other products? Yeah, I think I had to always in my mind play off the kind of Dyson Apple-esque look. Yeah. I wanted it to be something that people saw and they were like, wow, that's pretty. That's cool, I yeah. would happily put that in my public venue. You know, yeah. it's got to it's gotta be something that's so aesthetically appealing that there's that's not the reason for not stocking it because I feel like that's so easy to say like, oh yeah, I'll put my medical kit in the corner where no one sees it, but the fire extinguisher behind the door so no one sees it. Like, I want this to be something people are proud to show off just like you're meant to be proud to show off your allergies, basically. Yeah. On a more, on a, on a more serious note, like with your allergy, when you get on like public transport, like planes, um, are they quite understanding? Because I've had, I mean, we can talk about this. I've had a few experiences where they've, they've not quite understood it. Um, have they always quite understood it when you got on a plane? You're, I've got an allergy. Have they always done the announcement? I tell you what, I something about planes. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know why they are so just not up with the times. They, they, they literally treat it like they're like special and can't make any sort of changes to anything and there's yeah. ways and it it's just like you know what wake up why do you do one meal that always may contain nuts like just have some variety have some sort of leeway and also give a shit it's uh it's something i really get pissed off about so easily um so i mean yeah my dad's kind of because i mean i'm st- i still live at home i still go on holidays with my parents many 23 so i was still a bit of a baby um and in in that kind of case my dad is normally the one that books my plane tickets when we go on holiday and he'll do the the nut meal preference yeah. on the plane. um and i think i've had some some awful meals with that or they've not had it or the main meal they've had is is nut free anyway so yeah. it, it's, it's it's so i think it's so tricky like getting on a plane and i mean i mean no kind of talking from my experience i've uh like I've had, I can definitely recall some, I think British Airways kind of springs to mind with some really nice people that really cared and took the time and showed me the allergen matrix, made sure I was eating the right thing. But one thing sticks out in my mind, um, one trip that I made on El Al, which is uh, to Israel. And I think <laughs> Middle Eastern Mediterranean foods in general, I don't oh, I no, think, yeah. You know, there's a lot of nuts in there and I don't think there's many allergies in that kind of part of the world anyway. So it's always bound to be not the easiest conversation. But I specifically remember telling the uh, air, air host or steward or whatever you call them that, you know, I, I had allergies and was the meal nut free or not. And he was kind of like, firstly, just shocked that I even asked him the question, like like, like it mattered for, for one, which was just, you know. Mental, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're making my life inconvenient. How dare you? <laughs> um, but I asked him to go check. He, he went and checked for me. He got another staff member over and he said, you know, 
I'm sorry, I don't actually really know like the ingredients. They're not, they're not really there. And I said, that's not really good enough. If I'm going to eat the meal, I kind of need to know what's in it. So he was like, okay, let, let me, let me go ask someone else. He goes, ask someone else. He comes back and he's like, you know, honestly, the best I can tell you is good luck. Fuck. That literally is stuck in my mind ever since. I just looked at my mate. We both just looked at each other like disbelief. Like you, the lack of knowledge to, to have to say that to someone, the lack of understanding. Yeah, the fact like he just doesn't understand it. He can't even get his head. Like it is, it is mad how like different, I think like definitely different countries kind of manage it differently. I remember like in Budapest, like they, they took it as a joke and started laughing when I was, I said the Google translate, I was like, I'm severely allergic to nuts. Like you can basically kill me. They was pissing themselves. They was like showing it, showing the message around the restaurant to all the staff. I was like, this is, this is insane. Like, like, yeah, it's just crazy how in different countries, like people just don't get it. Like, No, I mean, I'm sure and I think as well, when I did research into Anna initially, like I was trying to get a, the best understanding of stats I could. I think it, the worst, the worst place is America, the second worst place is the UK, and then more general mm. Europe. And I think it's it's kind of more sporadic yeah. and less understood the further uh, east you go. But yeah, for me, it's something that when I go on holiday, I'm always like really scared about. Like my family wants to go to Bali for Christmas and... Uh, I kind of said, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I just, I just, I yeah, just yeah. even if we had allergy cards and we, we did the whole thing, it just, it's not somewhere I feel like I would be able to eat comfortably like any meal. I don't know if you have any experience in like any. Yeah. I don't, I, it's so funny. Like, I, I think, was it this week or like yesterday I seen a post where someone kind of spoke about going to Norway and she said that like in the restaurants in Norway, I think she was saying like it's in the policy that it's got all the different allergens. In, in the actual like main menu which is like really cool and I, I this is completely new to me so I kind of really want to dig into this but yeah that was like amazing when I kind of read into that but yeah I mean I've go to Greece a lot um I always had a really good experience like went this year with my girlfriend and obviously that helped that she speaks Greek um so yeah I mean I didn't have any issues there really but um yeah like, I'm always a bit cautious because right I really want to go to places like Japan or Thai, like Thailand and like, but I, I feel like I can't. I mean, how do you feel about that? No, exactly the same. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. feel like I can't. Uh, both my sisters, very, very fortunate uh, after saving for a long time, they separately went and traveled Asia and they had the most unbelievable time and they literally went everywhere you can imagine. And I just, there's no, there's no way in hell I could do that. You know, eat from random street vendors that don't know a word of English and not know the ingredients to anything. Like, I don't know about you, but if someone brings me a bit of food or if someone's eating a snack somewhere like a mate and they say I'll oh, try this like I don't try food I don't know like yeah. food, so going somewhere foreign that doesn't speak English and backpacking yeah. the table for me yeah like so it's, it's so funny like someone else said that in a post this week like oh don't take food from like strangers or something it sounds like such an obvious thing to say like but like it is so true as well it's like, like you said if someone's gonna get oh yeah Dan try that but like no like I'm not gonna touch that even like when my girlfriend's having like a meal like went to a restaurant um this year before the lockdown again and basically went out for this meal and like they were great me out like there's definitely no nuts um and the food was me and then she was like oh like do you want to try some of my food and I was like I don't know I was like we spoke about my food we didn't speak about your food so we shouted him back over and I was like oh is there food not free and he was like yeah yeah so then I tried it it was fine but yeah it's just like even if I, your girlfriend's like yeah try that I'm like 
no, like, but um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like, how you've got to be aware at all times. Like, yeah. No, it, it like it's it's honestly, it comes to a point where it's too difficult to say yes. So so often, I'm I don't I don't have the energy, I don't have the effort, I can't be bothered to have the conversation with someone yeah. and be like, right, do you know the ingredients to this? Normally, they'd say no, or let me check, or yeah. I'll take the time to. It's just, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, one of the things that really, really grates on me, I, to be honest. Have you have you always felt quite confident, would you say, about your RJ? Yeah, I think um, it's one of the, like, I mean, I remember being as a kid and feeling undermined by it. Yeah. Like, I knew what I could and couldn't eat. And I think so many people, like, whether it be a restaurant you go to or an adult who's hosting a party or a teacher who's doing a school trip or whatever, and you're kind of saying, no, 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 I can eat that. And they're like, no, you can't. I know you have this allergy. Like those kind of things that would really get to me. But now I'm, I think I'm old enough. I know what I can and can't eat. And I'm pretty much, uh, I, I stay in the box. I know. Yeah. I was going to say as well, did you ever feel like your allergy was going to like stop you? I don't know. Like, cause I feel a lot of people feel the allergy might stop them getting ahead in life or like, you know, if you set out a goal, I want to do this. You know what I mean? Did you ever feel like it was ever kind of going to get in the way? Honestly, probably not. Um, there was always, I mean, just being someone who's never never been in a real job, you know, I've come out of uni and yeah. I've started my own company, like from home, I think maybe if I went to a real company and I was like working and eating their cantina in the office or with people like that, and I kind of always had to tell people that would have been a different story. But now I've had the privilege to kind of flip it on its head and it'd be the thing I'm most kind of proud of. And it's, it's the problem I want to solve in life with what I'm doing. Yeah. I think that I think that makes such a difference as well when you, you are doing it as like a side thing as like a passion project like you are you're definitely more confident about it I mean I got known at the guy at work the guy with the allergy because everybody I don't know I, I told one person about the blog and then that's when everyone knew about the blog like um but yeah I was I was never really embarrassed about that I was like I, I stand like for you like the same as you like, I stand for something that I really believe in so I don't really give a shit what other people think. And I think that's so important to touch upon as well. Cause I feel like a lot of people are scared what other people think. And like, I think like if you genuinely like really believe in it and like you're passionate about it, don't care what other people think. You know, if someone listens to this podcast and was like, oh yeah, I listen to the podcast. Yeah, great. Like, like what? Like, you know what I mean? But a lot of time, like people are just, people are just like, oh yeah, like, I really liked it or enjoyed it. But like, I don't do it for people which are not my audience. You know what I mean? You just, do it for yourself and, and and do it for the followers you have like you know to bring value really yeah it's so interesting to speak to someone that the full conversation revolves around allergies because i mean obviously i've spoken to people about anna but this is like about me and you and i think it's so interesting because i've never done this with someone else yeah as far as i as far as i know and any anyone i've ever kind of like I've got a couple of mates that have allergies and stuff. I am, I'm the pedantic one. I'm the one that cares too much. I'm the one that takes my kit with me everywhere. And that's kind of, that's the unnormal thing to do. Like I have some mates with severe allergies that don't carry their kit. They barely talk about it. It's not even on their mind, like at any point in the day. So it's so nice to talk to someone else yeah. like <laughs> that is not weird about it and that gives a shit about it and that puts it in the public space as well. Yeah, I think absolutely. Hopefully we can um, make it more relatable and hopefully get more people kind of taking it seriously. And like, I think just before the podcast started, we kind of spoke about, obviously, do people message you about the podcast? And um, I think I never got a chance to say like, 
like the amount of times like people message and be like, oh, like I thought I was alone or I thought I was the only one that felt like this. And it, I think it's amazing obviously to speak to people like yourself because I feel like we can kind of talk about it and yeah, just talk about everything really. And I feel like it's more of a conversation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to cut, like it is a podcast, but like it is just like a very much like just having a conversation with you and learning a bit about yourself and how you managed it. But um, yeah, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Um, if anyone wants to give you a follow and um, watch your kind of Instagram handles where they can go and check out Anna Algae Care and yourself. Yeah, uh, sure. No, it's been it's been amazing being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. And um, if anyone is interested in kind of Anna and what I'm doing and the, the journey for that, then <clears throat> you can go to Anna.Systems, which is just the, the website. Um, and that's just A-N-A. Uh, and the Instagram tag is the same and generally um, everything's kind of linked there because I'm a designer and I kind of care about that stuff way too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm the same, mate. But yeah, thanks so much, Zach, for coming on today. I've honestly really enjoyed it and it's been great to kind of speak with a guy like, like myself because um, I think it's usually there's not many guys kind of talking about their allergies. So yeah, it's been great to have you on. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to write me a view on iTunes. It means a lot and it gets me higher up in the rankings so more people can find me contain. Thanks for listening and speak to you soon. Bye.